Ladies and gents, welcome back to the Stronger Business Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Melton, and today, Chad and I had the opportunity to interview Attraction Implementer, works with the EOS Worldwide, Mr. Dale Williams. This guy has a crazy story from his own entrepreneurial journey. We won't get into today, but I just got to tell you, look him up because the person that you're going to hear talking today has got some fruit on the tree. And if you've ever thought about implementing Traction or EOS, or you've already done it, this episode is absolutely for you. So without any further ado, let's dive right into the conversation with Dale Williams. Part of the entrepreneur's journey is a journey of self-awareness. So, so you know, and, and every, every business owner, right, needs, needs different people in their lives. They, they, you know, they, they uh-huh. need, um, you know, they need an accountability partner, you know, in, in the business. They need, they need an external coach, right? Uh, they need a, they need a, 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 they need a peer board, right? And they need an operating system. When you say a peer board, could you just give us a quick example of what you mean by that? Yeah, there are a lot of great ones out there. So um, I don't have to go too far for examples. You know, there's EO. Um, there's many, many local chapters of EO, which is a kind of a nonprofit uh, organization of non-competing business owners who gather together in, in boards of like 8 to 12 to help share best practices with one another. Right. And they and they and they hopefully do that, you know, with honesty and, and goodwill. And, uh, and then there are larger, more professionally managed ones like Vistage. Uh, C12 yeah. is one for, uh, you know, for Christian business owners who are, who, whose, whose business is part of a, you know, a, 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 a greater mission in their lives. Uh, C12 is a wonderful organization. Uh, there's the Alternative Board, which is typically aimed at smaller entrepreneurial companies of you know, maybe one to five million. But each of these groups uh, are great organizations where you don't have to be alone. Right, running a business is one of the most isolating things, right? Because mm-hmm. the buck stops here, and there's nobody to talk to, and nobody uh, that you, you you may have in your immediate circle uh, understands the pressure, right, of having all your skin in the game and being responsible for people in their lives, their families, their mortgages. That that's an awesome responsibility, and being able to talk to other people who who walk that road is very valuable. But then they also are facing the same things you're facing. That's that's why a coach is important, right? right. So uh, it, it took me a long time to understand how, how much I needed coaching because, um, you know, you, we, we all walk around with, uh, with our own flaws, just kind of shamelessly exhibited to others. Uh, but most people are too nice. I, I grew up down south and we say, you know, we, we love to avoid conflict down here. Absolutely. You know, my grandmother had this great expression, well, bless his heart. <laughs> you know, a guy could be wearing stripes and plaids and a clown nose, and right? I think he was just ready for church, and she would say, well, bless his heart. <laughs> you know, if nobody, t- a coach will tell you, hey, dude, <laughs> right, there's spinach in your teeth. You, you, mm. you know, you walked out of the restroom with toilet paper streaming from your foot and your fly is open. Uh, it's not a good look, Right. If you love somebody, if you truly care about them, you you know you exhibit that candor. So that's why coach is important. You know they care enough about you, uh, and when you know they care enough about you, you're willing to take good feedback. You know this is one of the things we see with our football team here. You know we have a coach whose players genuinely feel like he cares about them, and because of that, when I went to the basketball opening day <clears throat> Monday night, I could hear his voice booming up and down Lumpkin Street. 
right? They call him <laughs> Kirby Mike. Yeah. You know, because and the profanity, it was just, it would made, it made me blush, right? <laughs> Here he was, you know, we just, we just won the biggest game in the, in the, in the university's history. And there it is Monday, right? He's oblivious. He's just absolutely relentless, you know, just coaching. And, and, and those young men know he loves them. Right. So as, as business leaders, we need coaches who think enough about us uh, to, to help us be better. So operating system, that, that's what I teach. I teach the entrepreneurial operating system, which there are many operating systems. This is this is we, we think the best one in the world. It's been proven over a longer period of time over more businesses, which is why uh, we, we see it grow. So the operating system, absolutely essential. You need a framework. Right for aligning human energy in your company, right? To, to, to determine what our rules of the game, what's our playbook. You know, an operating system is nothing more, nothing less than a sports team's playbook, right? It's how we make decisions. It's how we align priorities, right? It's how we allocate resources. It's how we position talent. It's how we make decisions. It's how we set goals. It's how we measure success. That's what an operating system does. Now, Edwards Demings said, you know, every, system, every organization is perfectly designed to get the results that it gets. Hmm. So it's think good. about that. It is. So you have an operating system. What do you think you do you're not, or not? So, yeah, you know, how's absolutely. It, how's it working for you? Yeah. A good one or a bad one. You have something. <laughs> you ha- you have one. Yeah. So, so when, 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 when we start kind of setting this framework up for people. Okay, great. Then they know that they start teaching their team what the rules of the road is, and that becomes kind of some some institutional habits. Um, You know, we are what we repeatedly do, right? So um, So when we talk about framework and operating system and even the peer kind of reviewer boards, peer board side, is that for every company of every size, even a solopreneur needs to be focused on those things? Or is there a certain level you should transition from a... Yeah, that's a great question. Chad, what we find is that once, uh, once an organization reaches a, a, a point where the founding entrepreneur has had to delegate uh, and compartmentalize you know, s- uh, specialization of labor, mm-hmm into what, what, what we see as three major functions of the business, which are the sales and marketing function, the operations function, and the finance function. Those are the three major functions every organization has. You know, I've got a 10-year-old granddaughter who runs a lemonade stand. She's got a sales and marketing function, an operations function, and a finance function. <laughs> it's like function. the best-run lemonade stand in the country. This is amazing. But, but, but you know, now, now, she wears all those hats. Yeah. yeah. Right? But, but they're distinct functions. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I promise you, ExxonMobil has those same three functions. Yeah. And now, but, so what we do is when, when we determine whether or not, you know, you're ready for an operating system, uh, have you, has the business reached a point of maturity? Have you proven your business model, right? So an okay. entrepreneur starts a company, you know, right? All of a sudden, he, he hangs out his shingle, he starts to sell a few, right? The first thing he has to do is create an extension of himself or herself, mm-hmm. right? Then it's it's necessary for the business to continue to grow, uh, not only for the founder to create extensions of herself, uh, but for her team to create extensions of themselves. That is the point at which an operating system becomes absolutely necessary because we call it the complexity model, okay? So think about it, you know, you got, two people start a business, 
I've actually got a client, the two fraternity brothers, right? Started a business. So, so imagine that, two points in, in space, right? How many lines of communication do you have? Two. Yeah. Right. Ed says, hey, Bob. Bob says, hey, Ed, that's two, mm-hmm. right? All of a sudden, Tim joins. So how many lines of communication do you have? One, two, three, four, five, six. You got six, okay? So you've only added 50% to your headcount, but the complexity of your organization has been magnified. Ooh, that's a good point, yeah. Right? 100%. So now, you add four. Uh, so I'll do the math for you. You've gone to 12 lines of communication. I'm glad you're doing two. the math for us, Dale. Chad's an accountant. And I would hate for him to lose space no, no. right from, now. From, know, right? from, from two to 12. <laughs> Just think about it. Lines of communication. So, so the point is that uh, complexity goes exponential on you very, very quickly. Uh-huh. So the operating system becomes an absolute necessity to help people stay in their lane, to help avoid duplication of effort, to help avoid confusion, to help reduce complexity, uh, you know, and opacity, confusion. So I thought you had it. No, I thought you had it. We see that all the time. Mm-hmm. So, so the operating system is is simply there to help, uh, you know, align human energy and do it transparently in a way that takes the emotion out of it. Mm-hmm. So, your question is fantastic because uh, we see some organizations need that structure earlier than others, depending on what their ambitions are, how quickly they're growing. If you're a slow growth business with six people, you may not need an operating system. Okay. Right? If you're a fast growth business with six people, you may mm-hmm. definitely do because you need to you need to be planning for the future and you, you need to have the, the same mental model. So what we teach is at a, at a high level about three things, vision, traction, and health. That's it. What, what do we do? When I go to a cocktail party and people say, what do you do? I tell them I help people get what they want out of their businesses. Oh. I like that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all, all right. <laughs> so we do that by helping them implement a complete system of practical tools mm-hmm. that at a high level help them do three things uh, that we call vision, traction, and healthy. Vision from the standpoint of first getting everyone on the leadership team to be completely aligned with the vision of the organization, right? What they want, what does that look like? How to get there? Second, uh, traction is about helping them execute better, right? Bringing more discipline and accountability so that they can gain traction because vision without traction is a hallucination, (laughs) right? I agree with that. And healthy from the standpoint of helping them come together to become a, a more cohesive, functional, healthy group of people who, you know, in, in, enjoy spending time together because oftentimes they're not, mm-hmm. right? So from there we find as goes the leadership team, so goes the rest of the organization. We get to a point where everybody's crystal clear on the vision, executing better, gaining traction, and advancing, hopefully, as this, you know, healthy, um, you know, enjoyable group of people who like having a beer together every now and then. So, um, you know, our typical clients an organization with between 10 and 250 employees. You know, I've okay. got some a little smaller. I've got some a little larger. Um, what they all have in common is that they are growth-oriented, whatever that means for them. doesn't necessarily mean that they want to run a billion-dollar company. You know, I've got clients who have a very clear idea of running a, a, a great small business. That's their vision for the business, a great, sustainable profitable business that provides a fantastic work environment for their team, that contributes to their community, that puts a dent in the universe that's important to them. 
spiritually, economically, emotionally, and in terms of community service. So that's their vision of what victory looks like, right? That's what's on the top of the flag at the hill. So I've got other clients who want to own a sector, right? They're extremely competitive. They're very dynamic, right? They're, they're, uh, their ceiling is limitless. Now, I have a client in Atlanta who is, is a, just a, a, an amazing organization. They're, they're an independent broker-dealer company, and they're building a platform for, for high net worth advisors that is going to be one of the most important platforms um, in high net worth investing. So, you know, they're looking at managing five or six billion dollars in assets, right? So they, they have a very different vision for their company. So the, the, those two different kinds of businesses, uh, you know, I've got, uh, I've got trades. I've got, you sure. know, HVAC, construction companies, uh, you know, electrical, plumbing. Um, uh, you know, I've got uh, professional services organizations, manufacturers, you know. What they all have in common is that they are growth oriented. These the companies that we serve, you know, want it, they, they need they, they need to understand what success looks like, and and, and they want to have a clear uh, definition of that. Mm-hmm. They're open and honest, right? They don't want to be the genius with a thousand helpers, okay? Because if your if your own ego and your own need for control prevent you from letting go of the vine, you will hate this process and you will hate me. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. That makes sense. Right? Because, uh, you know, I, 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 my job is to help you grow. My job is to help you attain this business's full potential. And if you don't want to see the business attain the full potential, because it's going to mean that you're going to have to delegate some of your precious authority. Yeah then, you know, you're like Golub, right, with the ring. You know, it's my precious. <laughs> so for, for most clients, when you walk in the door to start this process, do they typically have the right team already and they don't realize it or don't know how to lead that team or delegate to that team? Or do you come in a lot of times and be like, man, you got the wrong team. We got we to gotta hire and we got to change. Chad, I don't tell them anything. That's one thing I'll tell you right up front. I am not a consultant. Okay. Right? All right. We, we do not consult. You do not right? consult. All right. We don't consult. I'm okay. I have three roles. More. I have three roles, right, in this process. Uh, number one is teacher. Okay. Uh-huh. I'm here to teach my clients how to use some very practical tools, right, that, that, that are best practices. You know, everything that we teach is ancient. Right? There's nothing new. We don't teach any MBA stuff. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to go. No major secret no silver major, bullet. No, we, we, in fact, we're totally transparent. One of the things I love about, you know, Gino Wickman is, is that he, he absolutely acknowledges who his influences were. You know, he was a serial entrepreneur, and when he wrote Traction, it, it was because he had assembled all of these unbelievable uh, kind of bits and pieces of best practices from all the businesses that he had started and failed and the ones that he had worked on really, really well. And, and he got involved in EO, and his EO group uh, really started reading all these fantastic authors like you know, Jim Collins and Good to Great and, and, and Great by Choice and, and, um, uh, and The E-Myth by Michael Gerber, right? And, and, and Five Dysfunctions by Pat Lencioni. These are folks who've studied this very, very deeply, right? And there's hundreds of best practices out there, but nobody had really assembled a holistic system 
to, to organize these things into a simple framework. So we boiled it down to 20 tools, 20 okay. tools. So I'm a teacher in the sense that I'm here to teach these tools. Okay. There are five foundational tools that every person in the business learns how to use. There are another handful that you know we teach the leadership team because they're situational, right? But five that the entire organization runs on. So I'm a teacher. I'm, I'm there to help teach them how to use those tools and how to master them, right? So my second role is facilitator because what I find uh, is that uh, the answers are always in the room, <laughs> right? I'm not, a, uh, I'm not the shell answer man. I'm not a soothsayer. You know, I'm not a, you know, I'm, I'm not a prognosticator. I'm not here to tell you where your business is going. I'm here to facilitate the answers from the wisdom in the room because it's always there, right? But I've gotten pretty good at asking tough questions that perhaps they've been too close to the business to really ask. But, but once those questions are out of the box, facilitating a really meaningful discussion about what is the common good Right? What's the right and the best thing for now? Right? What's the most important thing now? You know, who are the who are the right people in the right seats of the business? You know, what, what's what's the definition of uh, an ideal customer here? Um, what is what is the right framework for our model? What are the decision rights that we need to give our team? All these are questions. Right, yeah. so I facilitate the answers to the questions that are that are there, and, I, and if the questions aren't being asked, I ask them. So, teacher, you're not giving the answer; no. you're asking the questions. No, okay. and and I'm facilitating a conversation so that they are moving closer and closer to a common answer. Because, listen, consultants create dependency. Right, that's their business sure. model. Makes right, sense. they can always yeah. figure out another project to do for you. Right, <laughs> trust me, I, I've hired in in, yeah. in in my professional career. I've I've run public companies. And, you know, I've hired Deloitte, and KPMG, and McKinsey, and, you know, they're like vampires. <laughs> well, they want to retain their customer, right? So it's, again, as you're saying, like, they need something else to help you with. Well, sure. Instead of being like, hey, hey congrats, right. we're done now. But but that first project's crack, <laughs> right? <laughs> because that's a recurring revenue model. Yeah. Right? I, yeah, I would go in, I'd talk about, you know, I'd go through our financials and I would say, well, why is, you know, why is, why is Jim still here from KPMG? Well, here's the only, he's the only one who knows how to set up the CRM. Oh, my God. He was supposed to teach our team how to set up the CRM. So, so you know, my, my point is, you know, I'm there to, to create independence, not dependency. Right? We, yeah. we take them through this process and then we graduate them. You know, they're gone. I don't want to stay finding my way deeper into your business, right? I'm there to implement a system in your business yeah. and get the heck out of the way and let you run it. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So, so anyway, teacher, teach them the tools. Facilitate the right answers because the answers are there. They know, right? And then coach from the standpoint that uh, I spend all of my time working with talented entrepreneurial teams, right? And because of that, I'm going to see some stuff. Mm. Absolutely. Right? And it's my job to help them gain the perspective they need from best practices. I'm not there to tell them what to do. I'm telling them, I'm there to give them experience-based share, right? Mm -hmm. I've seen this, I've seen this, I've seen this. These are examples of, the, of, of other teams facing the same problem you have, right? Here's some of the best practices that I've seen adopted, okay? What do you, do you think any of these will work for your business? When you're coaching here, Dale, are you coaching the leadership team or are you coaching the 
founder? Like, why is it a combination? Both. Uh, when people engage me, it's typically about, I, I, again, I'm giving you kind of generalities, but uh, you know, typically we spend uh, 10 full days with leadership teams over two years. So we start, we ramp them up um, with, with three pretty intense days in the first like 60 or 70 days. So we just, we get the hockey stick going, we get the foundational tools in place so that they're gaining traction and gaining experience and confidence in being able to use an operating system and just mm-hmm. and start these things. You know, we, 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 we teach them, uh, first of all, you know, I help them create their first accountability chart because we go right to the structure side of things, like right out of the gate. Um, we help them put together the vision for the organization. We use a framework called the VTO, the Vision Traction Organizer. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's an eight-section, two-page business plan that's one of the most powerful. T- that's, this is what brought me to EOS. It, I used that tool in my own business, and it was so much better than what I've been using before, just yeah. in terms of simplicity and clarity. Plus, it's dynamic. Your business is changing every day, right? So this is a tool that doesn't just sit on the shelf gathering dust. So we, we teach them. Uh, they, we 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 start to create their accountability chart so we can go about getting the right people into the right seats and, and, and creating an, an organization that's flexible and dynamic and, and clear in terms of roles. Uh, we, we create a business plan for the future that they want. Not what I want, right? It's the future that they want. And oftentimes they haven't even asked these questions of themselves, right? Because leadership teams fracture because the founder has a different idea of what success looks like than his leadership team. Right, so this has to be uh, something that we author together, and everybody has to reconcile their own view of what they want from life and how the business serves that. Right, because yeah. if you don't know what you want from your life, I can't help you. <laughs> right, but if you want financial independence, if you want more freedom to hunt and fish, if you want to be able to take a vacation three or four weeks a year with your spouse, whatever that is, we got to engineer the business outcomes that will allow you to do that. So that's what building the vision looks like. It's, it's very personal, right? But then it gets into the business frameworks and what needs to happen. So number one, structure. Number two, vision. And then clear tools, uh, which we call rocks, scorecard, and a level 10 meeting pulse. Those are the foundational tools. Rocks are the most important priorities for the business over the next 90 days. It's a cadence. It's a heartbeat. You know, it's, it's the pulse of the business. Uh, it, it's what focuses us on, on incremental wins every quarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, the scorecard uh, are the key leading indicators, the activity-based metrics that indicate what needs to be happening to generate the financial results that we need, right? Because most people run their business based on financials, and that's looking at the rearview mirror. Nothing's, mm-hmm. Nothing mm-hmm. on your income statement tells you anything that you could have done anything about last week, you know, happened a month ago. So what we do is, is break the business down into the functional areas, what needs to be happening in operations, what needs to be happening in sales and marketing. You know, what's the lead generating stuff, right? What's the content generation stuff? What's the customer service, delivery, um, you know, manufacturing, inventory, whatever it is, we break up 10 to 15 leading indicators to, to really shine the headlights on the highway. And that scorecard and those rocks then become a, um, a, a foundation for having a level 10 meeting pulse every single week. We call it level 10 because when I talk to my clients initially, I ask them to rate you know, the quality of their meetings one to 10. The average is usually around three or four. A few of them say, well, we, we don't have meetings. Meetings suck. I say, oh, oh your meetings suck. <laughs> 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 so... So uh, oftentimes, you know, they, they get together and, you know, they get hit with an issue and they spend all their time discussing the heck out of everything, right? Nothing ever really gets solved. They, they don't. So we teach them root cause analysis. 
we teach them some tricks from Kaizen uh, and Six Sigma, you know, the Toyota Way and the Five mm-hmm. Whys. So uh, all this stuff is, you know, this is, this is a very deep iceberg here. So a lot of tendrils to this, but we start real simple. Right? Just get the scorecard going, get your quarterly parties up front, make sure they align with the vision, and then we set up this, this weekly meeting pulse for leadership team, and then I meet with them every quarter okay. right, to make them eat their spinach and to hold them accountable to their own best intentions. So, uh, and that usually after t- 10 sessions after two years, uh, we, we, we measure their progress. This is not me saying, oh, I think you're ready because that would be disingenuous. No, we have a very objective uh, assessment of how well they've deployed these tools in the organization. And it's not my assessment, it's theirs, right? I, I give them a criteria and ask them to self-assess. And once they get to 80% or better in like six dimensions of their business, call them the six key components, then they're ready to graduate. Man, you know, th- then we pop the cork. You know, we celebrate and, and, and I'm always there when they need me. And some of my clients keep me around. They like me to facilitate their quarterlies. They find value sure. in that. Some, t- some of my clients who graduated, I just work with them once a year. I facilitate their annuals yeah. to, just to refocus them. Um, some, I, I had a client call me the other day, graduated three years ago. Said, man, you know, we, we have strayed so far off the reservation. <laughs> can, can, can you help? Let's Come reel us back in. To, yeah. but what's, you know, the organization's changed. There's some new people. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes you just need a course correction. So, um, but you know, usually after 24 months, you know, they're ready to go. So uh, that that's it. And in between those sessions, uh, you know, I do a lot of individual coaching. Sometimes it's sometimes it's the founder or the CEO. Sometimes it's somebody on their leadership team who just kind of wants some individual coaching on uh, on how to do this faster and better. Um, we audit their L10 meetings, you know, I kind of listen in, you know, uh, at, at, you know, one thing about coaching is that, you know, you, you, you need to, you need to instruct, you need to demonstrate, right? And then you need to set up you know, a, a trial, right? And then when people start trying things, you, you have to resist the urge to rescue them. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Oh, man, because, good. Yeah. because, because good coaches, understand the role of failure in the learning process. And so, if you're constantly rescuing people because you're trying to self-justify your own importance or the customer's going to be mad or it's just wrong, well, then how are they going to learn? You know, so what we do is, is it's a space training, space learning approach, right? So, you know, in this first three sessions, we send them back to just splash around. Right, and I know it's going to feel weird, and holding these meetings, and, and, and conforming to this agenda, and, and and kind of using these techniques that we teach feels weird. Well, I'm telling you, parallel parking felt weird the first time mm-hmm. you did it with a short sleeve shirt guy with a clipboard. Oh yeah. Right? So so when it starts, is it a jerk the wheel? This is the way moving forward. Like we give this them, is we how give, everything approaches, or is it a slow transition from the old way into? The EOS process. It's funny. The, well, we, we teach some very specific tools, and we give them best practices on using the tools. No two of my clients uh, implement EOS exactly the same way in their business. Okay. So right. EOS is a framework, not a straitjacket. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. It is good, because I think it rivals up with you thinking like of any type of professional sports, and you see people that are you know great baseball players, and you look at two players, and both of them 
hit for high average. They both hit home runs. But you see the way that they hold the bat, there's variations. The way they swing the bat, variations. The way they stand up, variations. They're both still standing in the batter's box. They they have a bat in their hands. They probably have their hands, you know, right hand on top of the left hand if they're right-handed hitters. But there's an art aspect of it, too. One size does not fit all in regards to this. So same thing with the OS. Same thing with the OS. And and what we find is that the the – the companies who run most effectively on EOS, and, and we have no pride of authorship, okay? Because my goal is, if, you know, if, if if you run, you know, Ed's Donut Shop, I want this to be Ed's operating system, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. when I leave, it's yours, right? We, we yeah. I mean, you're free to, uh, you know, to your team. You know, this is the way we run our business. This is these, th- th- this is our meeting cadence. Right. This is how we set up agendas. This is how we set goals. This is how we measure success. Right. When I go from the from the highest level manager to the lowest level manager, I can walk up to any of those people at any time in the company and say, Chad, are you having a winning week? Now, with most of my clients early in the process, Chad looks back at his boss and says, I guess so. You didn't fire me. (laughs) 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 And, and, And that's kind of sad. That's kind of sad because, you know, we've been measured since we were five years old, right? And we like games and we love team sports because winning together is fun. Yeah, sure. It's winning together is only fun when you all agree on how to keep score, right? Yeah. Right? It's only fun when we all agree on how to keep score. If, we, if we're playing by different mental rules, right, then my definition of success may, may, may be harmful, debilitating, demoralizing, or, or even um, – uh, beneath your dignity, right? There's just, there's just, a, it, it's so important to define success together and to define measures together and, and agree on this, this is how we keep score. Uh, we call that measurables, right? We, ha- we have scorecard numbers and we have a compartmentalization system that saved my life. Uh, hate to digress here, but this is all relevant, okay? So, mm-hmm. sure. When, uh, you know, I, I, would come into the office and I would have a halo of stickies around my monitor. I would have stacks of eight and a half by 11, you know, legal pads, right? And I would have, you know, Outlook stuff, right? And it's like all scrambled together. And at the end of the week, I would just feel exhausted mm-hmm. and, and, and demoralized because I, because of how little progress I made. And sometimes more to do than you can ever. Sometimes get done. it sometimes yeah. it just multiplied. Yeah. Right. So exactly. You end the week with more to do than you started. Oh, yeah. the week. You put one sticky note off the wall. You put two more back I on the wall. I worked all week and I'm, I got more to do than when I started. Yeah. That's common, right? That's the entrepreneur's curse. Sure. So um, when when I, I got introduced to this process, one of the things that I found invaluable was this idea of compartmentalization. Okay. So yes, there's everything imaginable that that needs doing okay but there's some things that are game changers right in in terms of defining new uh, programs you know setting up new product categories you know building sales teams you know uh, setting up functional parts of your organization getting financing okay we call those goals because they're going to take up to a year to get done Mm-hmm. Right. The problem most entrepreneurs have, you know, have a legal page, and their goals are mixed up with make a dentist appointment. Mm-hmm. 
right? So they're, they're, they're just all in the same basket. And so usually they just go down the list and they hit the low-hanging fruit. It's the easy stuff first, which means the big stuff just stays undone, mm-hmm. right? So, so we, we compartmentalize the big stuff that needs to happen this year. We call those goals. The second compartment are, are the components of those goals, and any other critical requirements for now. What's important now? We call those rocks. And rocks, uh, we, we love Stephen Covey's analogy of how all the time you have in your life is all the time you have. You have as much as Warren Buffett, mm-hmm. right? It's how we spend those hours. So I, if I look at a leadership team of five people, okay, they have roughly 10,000 hours a year. Guarantee you 8,000 hours a year is not discretionary. It's already committed to getting stuff done, right? Yeah. So they, at most, have 2,000 hours of discretionary time to move the business forward. So how are we going to prioritize those hours? What are we going to aim with intentionality? What are we going to aim that discretionary time toward getting done? We can either splinter it or we can focus it. So we call those rocks. Rocks are the three to seven most important priorities for the business in the next 90 days. And we define what those are, and we make them smart, specific, measurable, attainable, time-constrained. There's a responsible party. You know, we, we, we get very specific so we know what done looks like, Yeah. right? And then we assign someone to be the, you know, chief ass-kicker and cat herder, right? They may not actually have to do all the work, but they're the ones who's—they're going to organize the teams who will do it, right? And yep. then so then we put our heads down. We go to work for 90 days. We come up for air. And we see how we did, and we're accountable. That's when I come in and say, how do we do? Right? I make sure that the rocks get written well, make sure that everybody's focused, that they're deployed, and then we come back and we measure our progress. So that is the second compartment. The third compartment we call to-dos, which are seven-day priorities. Okay. And the to-dos come from our weekly Level 10 meetings, and a part of the agenda that we call IDS, which is the issue solving track. Mm-hmm. We teach an issue solving track, but, but just to stick with the compartmentalization analysis, to-dos are the solution points that are seven day action items that we've all decided that we need to take to, to get rid of this problem, make it go away forever. So that's the third category, seven day action items. Everything else is just an issue, which could be an opportunity, it could be a problem, it could be, you know, a, a real big boogeyman, right? But what we do is just put it on a parking lot called the issues list, right? And we will get to it. Now, there's two parts to the issues list. There are long-term issues that are going to take us probably several months to solve. And then there are short-term issues, which are the tactical things that we have to solve within that 90-day cycle. So there you have it. Goals, rocks, we have to-dos. Everything else is an issue. And we solve long-term issues in our quarterly planning sessions, and we solve the short-term issues in these tactical level 10 meetings every week. So that compartmentalization tool is just powerful. And you would define a short-term issue. This is something that could be solved in 90 days. Something that can be solved inside 90 days. If if it's going to take, well, usually a a, a to-do is something, technically a to-do is a seven-day action item. Now, a lot of teams want to set, well, let's set a new rock. No, we don't set new rocks, right? Mm. If you're on the, you know, if you don't all of a sudden decide to make the football field 120 yards. Right. No, that, that's, that will just crush you emotionally. We set them to hit them, right? And if there's another rock that rears its head, 
we resist the urge to add new rocks because then we'll never be done, right? We put it on the issues list because if it's still important, we'll set a new rock for it. Uh, if it's important enough to really, uh, to, to, that needs attention now, we can create a series of to-dos, but we make them bite-sized. This is what I'm gonna do this week. This is what I'm gonna do next week because most of us vastly overestimate what we can do in a week or a month. We vastly underestimate what we can do in a year or more. And I think that's the challenge for entrepreneurs that are juggling a growing business and really need this is on a on initial initial emotional responses. This all sounds awesome, but it sounds like a lot of work, and I'm already working 50 hours a week. How in the world am I going to have time to go through this process and solve more issues and rocks and plan and goals and all the different things? How does how do you tackle that just initial? side the, of the, I over, feel like the, lens. The, the overwhelm, right? The, yeah. Yeah. The overwhelm. Yeah. You're already overwhelmed. I'm like, man, that just sounds like a hell of a lot more work. It's going to yeah. overwhelm me even more. Yeah. We, we just one step at a time. Okay. One step at a time. There's, 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 uh, uh, there, I have teams who come in and they just crush it. You know, they, they've read the book, you know, maybe they've kind of started self-implementing some of these tools uh, and they just rally around the sessions um, and they are like fish to water. I have other teams who are just so stressed, and there's so much pressure on the individual leadership team members and on the and on the founder, CEO, or owner that they 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 can't even figure out how to schedule a day. Mm-hmm. So if they if they sincerely want to do this, we figure out a time that works. So is, there's not. Is, is, is it a Saturday? Is it, and, and then the weekly requirement is, is it just breaks things down for them. They're doing this stuff already, Chad. Yeah. But they're doing it so inefficiently, they're not getting the results that they want. And some of it, I have my my favorite expression um, is, um, you know, one on one touch base. And what I find is that there's literally millions of one-on-ones and touch bases happening inside organizations. And, and the power of a level 10 meeting is it actually saves them time because it gives them a structure to talk about the important things together. And it turns them into a, um, uh, like a court, like the Supreme Court. I, I look mm-hmm. at the leadership team as a Supreme Court of, of a business, right? And I look at every issue that comes before the bench as a precedent, right? So, like so you can have you can, you can you can you can have an individual come to you as a leader. Hey, Chad, what do I do about this? Now, you probably want to help me, don't you? Absolutely. You probably want to fix my problem, don't you? Okay, but ten other people are probably going to ask you that over the next year, right? So, what you've done is solved each of our problems at retail individually, right? So, what we teach our team is that instead of doing that, right? Tell tell me, Dale, that's a good one for the issues list, bud. Terrific. Teach me how to use these tools. Then when it comes into your level 10 meeting and you come up with the the, the right best solution, it can become part of your process. It can become a policy. Those policies become decision rights for your team. And decision rights are what set you free because... Dale, got a minute, was the most <laughs> agonizing thing I ever heard, right? 
And everybody that I work with struggles with that. You know, there's 10,000 got a minutes, right? So stop, right? Organize your best practices, codify them, memorialize them, make them part of your business model, right? That is your way. That's your franchise prototype. This is the way we do it. Then you have training content. So when you onboard them, you're teaching them your way of doing it. But you, you, you can't think of a meeting as a waste of time. It's when the court convenes. I feel like the way you framed that question, just with the the tone that you use, that must have been based out of your time in Athens or Charleston and not your time in New York City with the, Dale, you got a minute? I, mean, I just can't imagine that was a New York City accident. I spent a lot of my early work career in little southern towns. <laughs> and, you know, I come from a family of tobacco farmers. So, you know, when I'm at home, you know, my accent can change really quick. I didn't know if you were just trying to appeal to me in chat or what nope. it was. Just I was like, I feel heard and no, seen. I'm understood. not Brian Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. That really did frame it in a way to make it uh, way more understandable and, and real-life applicable to things we deal with. And Because I look at people managing organizations with 100 employees or team members or 1,000. I'm like – I don't have time to deal with eight people. How in the world are they managing a hundred people or a thousand people? Yeah. But that clarifies yeah. and definitely makes sense. When when a business is thinking about this process and, and thinking about, okay, this this again sounds amazing. Is there a prerequisite for success that you see? Do, do you need to have read the book? Do you need to make sure you have 10 extra hours a week? Do you need $50,000 capital to start this process? What is there anything there no. that has to be in place or needs to be in place before going down this road? They have to be willing to do the work. If you enjoyed this episode of the Stronger Business Podcast, be sure to leave us a review and share it with a friend. You can find us online to connect at strongerbusiness.com or on Instagram and Facebook at Stronger Business. We look forward to hearing from you and we'll see you at the summit.